to stop doing drugs meant I had to give up every single friend that I had at that time. I want to be able to provide resources for kids that are that are your age in that exact same situation. Alcoholism is like the biggest one and even for our stores we have to lock up the mouthwash and the vanilla and I've seen people um, drink hairspray and um, hand sanitizer um, because it's cheaper than liquor and they need alcohol to survive. I, and I understand why nobody wants to talk about the fun part of doing drugs but like that was something I really struggled with. This is Michelle Lamb from Leaning In and Speaking Out a podcast hosted by Brandon University's CARES Research Centre. This podcast is part of a special series on social justice in education, conducted by students in Gustavo Mora's class called Schools as Complex Spaces. Jackie and I would like to extend our heartfelt thanks to Gustavo, his students, and their guests, who are having crucial conversations about what it means to educate within contexts like the climate crisis, racism, addictions, and more. Thank you and enjoy the show. So um, I'm Brooklyn um, and I met Jamie when I was young. I can't remember my exact age. Um, did well, her twin sister, Jody and I did gymnastics together. Um, well, not together, but at the same time, I guess. I don't know. And Jamie's originally from the same hometown with, town as me in Nipois. Um, I believe now she's living in um, Alberta and I haven't seen Jamie in person for quite a few years but we definitely stay up to date with each other online and on our social medias and stuff for sure. Um, Same thing with her with her twin Jody. We're definitely chatting online lots as well. Um, So originally I had saw Jamie's um, Instagram post, I think a few years ago. um, And I had no idea that Jamie was struggling with addiction at all. I had had no idea until I had saw her Instagram post about, um, I believe it was a sobriety post that she posted. You know, very kind words, very touching and moving because it's, it's not necessarily rare for people to recover, but it takes a lot of work to be able to grow past needing that needing drugs, right? Needing to use. And so I was very inspired when I saw Jamie's posts and I believe she still posts lots of stuff today um, and is definitely an addictions advocate. And so that's how I know Jamie. She's pretty awesome. She knows lots about addictions and, um, and yeah, take it away, Brooke. Oh, so I am Brooke, and we chose the topic of addiction because we can relate it to our lives and our communities, and also we will have to face it in our future career of being a teacher. Um, personally, I've never had an addiction, but I've been impacted by like my family and my friends' addictions, and especially growing up in Thompson, addictions is like a huge part. Yeah, and um, alcoholism is like the biggest one. And even for our stores, we have to lock up the mouthwash and the vanilla. And I've seen people um, drink hairspray and um, hand sanitizer um, because it's cheaper than liquor and they need alcohol to survive. So that's how alcohol and addictions 
have impacted me. All right. So, Jamie, I guess yeah, so my name's Jamie. I, uh, I did grow up with Brooklyn in a small town in uh, Manitoba, and now I live in Alberta. Um, we moved here, like, right after I got sober, actually, just to get away and be further away from everything. Um, I am 22 right now, and, yeah, that's pretty much it. When I was, uh, I definitely struggled with, um, like, using cocaine mostly, and also some, uh, like, alcohol-related things. But mostly what I'll be talking about is, like, cocaine and my struggles with that. So, yeah. Okay, that's awesome. I'm super glad that you're able to be so open about it and confident yeah. with everything. That's something that's super admirable. So for our first question, I'm going to ask all of the odd number questions and Brooke will ask all the even number questions. Sounds good. So for our first question for you is, at what age did you begin to use? And what would you recommend... Um, as for me and Brooke to be future teachers, how would you recommend um, ways or strategies that could have helped you at that age? Yeah. Um, so I started using when I was 17, like early 17. And until about a month before my 19th birthday, so very much like high school. I thought about this question for a long time because I think a lot of like, I think there is a lot of talk about like drug use and stuff when you're in school and I think conversation is really important about it especially when you're growing up and lots of stuff about the effects that drugs can have on your life and and the negative impacts but I think what was missing for me anyway was the more realistic side of it almost like the nobody talks about how it's fun and how people are going to be doing it at parties and you're going to see these people having a lot of fun and that doesn't seem like something that I should be scared of, you know, and like we learn about how scary it is and all these terrible effects, which is great things to learn about as well. But nobody says like you'll be in a group of people and they're all going to be having such a good time and you're going to feel like you're being left out. Like nobody talks about that part. And even about like the peer pressure side of things, when when people say like, oh, your friends, like people might try and pressure you into doing this and you won't feel comfortable. So you should say no. A lot of my friends were very much like, if you don't feel comfortable, don't say yes. Like, we're not, we're not trying to force you to. Like, people are very mm -hmm. different about it, I think, you know, than, than, yeah. like, I, in a lot of situations that I didn't expect that would be the situation that drugs were in, you know? So, yeah, it's just very interesting to me that nobody, I, and I understand why nobody wants to talk about the fun part of doing drugs, but like, that was something I really struggled with was I thought this was going to be some terrible thing that, and all these people are going to look crazy and do crazy things. And turns out everyone's having a super fun time. And that's why we start doing it, you know? Oh, yeah, 100%. And um, I agree, Jamie. I have struggled with uh, marijuana use myself for, like, my entire life. Yeah. Um, I thankfully have not uh, dove into the cocaine or any of the, you know, harder drugs. Yeah. Um, but a part of I I 100% I agree that it's not talked about the fun that's behind it you yeah. know because it's high you you feel high and you get addicted for a reason right yeah. like drugs are you know 
people that use drugs, they've followed the instructions of the drugs, right? Because that's, that's the whole point is that, you know, you experience it with a friend in a situation where, because normally you're not going to do drugs if you feel like super, super pressured. Right. And like, that's how it's kind of advertised in schools. I feel is like it, you only see the scary parts of it. Yeah. And that's super important. Like, I totally agree, Jamie. I think that, um, learning how to safely use and learning resources that, you know, if you do, you know, if you do start using, where are the resources, you know, in the community and in the school for when that's going to happen. Right. And it's hard. It definitely would be a hard conversation for Brooke and myself as future teachers to um, talk to younger students about this because usually when kids are younger, they grow up with, you know, the mentality drugs are bad, right? And there's a lot of fear behind the drugs. And um, I think that sometimes fear-based things to keep kids away from them, that'll work for so long until I think maybe when we're in high school, right? And then that's when kids are like, well, you know, that's when we see some more kids with depression that come out with depression, right? And we see a lot more um, sexuality changes and stuff like that. And so I think that like a big part of addiction would be the like the mental health part of it and the support system. Like I I think that we need to like normalize some form of, Hey, if, if you've got an addiction, if you feel like, you know, you need to use drugs, like maybe a program to go in the early stages, right? Because there's always rehab and there's always, you know, like those dare programs that's like drugs and everything. But what about in that middle when you you know you're having fun and you're doing drugs and you're high and you've got a bunch of friends doing drugs too. And like, that's, that's more of the part that sometimes addiction and or addicting I know that that's definitely a part for myself is that it's a socializing thing and the people that I associate myself with also indulge in those things and so then that's that's part of the vicious cycle right yep. so my I, I love that point about that they don't talk about yeah the, the how much you enjoy it right when when I was in Manitoba like the like one of the reasons why I moved provinces away was because to stop doing drugs meant I had to give up every single friend that I had at that time. Yes. Like, uh, like and the guy I was seeing and like, I was literally giving up everything is what it felt like just so I see if I could maybe not do drugs. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, it was, it seemed so intimidating to think like, well, I don't feel like I need to go to a rehab, but I feel like I need to drop every single person in my life. Yeah. Like, what do I do? You know? So totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the personal connections and the friendships that you make through drugs, sometimes those friendships are so strong because for some people, and I, and I can't speak for you, but for some people when they're using, it's because it's, you know, suppressing something bigger that's been happening just personally. Right. And so sometimes when two vulnerable people who are using, you know, obviously there's going to be some form of connection and attachment or through friendship and et cetera. And so, Yeah. yeah. And that, and that's exactly where I think Brooke and I as future educators, not just by ourselves, but as members of the up and coming, you know, teachers, um, I think that it's super important for high school age students, for people to say, you know what? Yeah, weed is fun. It makes you feel good. You know, drug drugs are fun. It makes you feel good. That's the whole point of getting high. Mm-hmm. But 
there's so many worse things, you know, that can follow with where like you, you move two provinces away. Right. And like most of your family is in Manitoba and stuff. And, and it it took, it took a lot of bravery for sure and strength for you to move away that far. But I want to be as a future educator myself, I want to be able to provide my high school students who are just like you, where they are like, well, you know, my friends are doing it. So why not? Like, I want to be able to provide resources for kids that are, that are your age in that exact same situation, right? Yeah. No, I, I completely agree with that. Yeah, I totally agree with that too. Mm -hmm. Um, so our second question is how has addiction impacted your personal life? Yeah, my personal life. I think, well, very literally it affected me a lot when I was like in the middle of it. As in, I lost my license because of my addiction problems and, and like, (laughs) was in, like, trouble with the law and stuff because of it Um, and got, like, pulled over when I was doing a drug deal and was, had been drinking and it was a whole, and, like, I was 17, I had barely had my license, like, so in a very literal fact like that, I, yeah, it very much I very much was a shell of like the person that I truly am. And I, and I don't even think I knew that because when I was in my addiction, I don't think I, I really knew myself well before, if that makes sense. So I was a shell of myself and the things I did and, and stuff did not align with the person that I really am now. And like, I always say, if you knew me, like when I was in my full-blown addiction like you do not know me now as a person like who I was back then so yeah it's, it's very interesting and I was put in a lot of like scary situations with with people who I never thought I would be around or and stuff like that that affect me now like to this day a lot of messed up stuff that happened that I didn't at the time think like oh this isn't an issue this won't like this is just a weird situation that I got myself into but mm-hmm. like things that to, to this day I talk about in therapy and have to work through because they're they've affected me so much I also think like I didn't necessarily care about my life as much anymore like I did such reckless things in hand with doing drugs that that I just didn't have value for my life I didn't think I there was anything better for me to to do if that makes sense so yeah. yeah, and very much like pushing family and friends away and and distancing myself because I had so much to hide. So I, I yeah, I, it affected me in a lot, every single way, pretty much yeah. like every of my life. Even if I didn't see it at the time, it was very much affecting every aspect of my life, even when I didn't know it. So, yeah. And I think that growing up in such a small town, <laughs> having your license is essential right? Uh, yeah. to, to get out and to see yeah. other people and to get out of such a small town. Yeah. And so little did you know, probably at that time, it, it would have sucked, you know, that you didn't have your license, but like you probably would have missed out on, you know, meeting more people from other well, small communities, right? Because yeah. you wouldn't have been able to use a vehicle or go with your, well, I guess you could obviously go with Jody, right? But um, individual things like that. And I I also liked how you touched on the trauma that it's left with you because while you're living in trauma and while it's happening, while you are being traumatized, sometimes you don't know, right? Like, especially especially when you're high on drugs and everything feels, feels good. Yeah. And so you, you know, you feel good. You don't think that anything that you're doing is traumatizing you. 
until you sober up, right? Yeah. And then you're like, holy crap. And then that's that right. adds the addiction yeah. right? because you're like, oh my God, I don't want to deal with these thoughts. And it's the vicious cycle, right? Yeah. No, I completely agree with that. It is that cycle of being in these weird situations and traumatizing situations and then sobering up and realizing like, oh my gosh, that really happened to me. And then wanting to go back to where it didn't feel like it hurt so much. Exactly, exactly. Because drugs can be, you know, a crutch for people who have uh, injury with, you know, trauma can be injuries or, you know, a lot of other things. And so, you know, you can take away that crutch right away and, you know, you can stop doing drugs right away. But that mental health part of it um, is still there, right? Like that need to to rely on something else to feel good is still there, regardless if you take the drugs away, right? Like totally, yeah. Okay. I actually, well, I was looking up some statistics, and it said that people with substance abuse are up to three times more likely to have a mental illness. Yeah, yeah, totally. I I am. I'm almost surprised that that's that low because I I feel like everybody that, you know, needs something to consistently yeah. make them feel better probably has something that's going on inside their brain or inside their heart that is, you know, yeah. causing them to need a substance, right? Cool. Yeah. Okay. Do we want to move on to the third question or do we have anything else? Oh, I think we're good. Okay, awesome. So the third question we have for you is how has your addiction affected others in your life? So we're talking about your parents, um, Jody, your brother, your cousins, um, et cetera, everyone in your family and, and your close circle. How has that affected them? Yeah. Um, I, I know now it affected them a lot more than I thought at the time. Like at the time I just thought like I'm a teenager, like I'm, I'm, gonna be a young adult like I'm not close with my family I don't yeah whatever like and with Jody like I was very always like always very open with Jody and uh and our one really good friend that we were close with then and told them that I was doing drugs and I wasn't trying to hide that from them but I was definitely not being as honest as how much I was doing them or yeah. when I was doing them or yeah, how, how often or that I was doing it at work or that I was, like, doing it literally all the time. Um, but, like, if we went out for a night, like, they would drink and I, I would drink and do coke. Like, it was just... Yeah. And I, I just thought it was this normal thing, like, that... Oh, yeah. In regards to that relationship, like, neither of them had ever cared to try drugs or do drugs. So they just... they, they I don't blame them for any of that. Like, it's not... They just didn't know any better. They just thought, well... Yeah. And she knows what she's doing, whatever. So I do think there was like almost a wedge between us because I was keeping these secrets that I didn't even realize I was keeping. I just, yeah, you probably couldn't be your fullest self, right? Yeah. Part of you was hiding exactly. that high or that you want to get high right away. Right. And that was the, like the same with my family too. Like I moved away, like moved out of my parents' house as soon as my addiction got bad at all. So I was avoiding them and, and they knew something was going on and sometimes would like try and bring it up, but didn't know exactly what was going on. So, which created this weird tension and then me wanting to hide any time that I would have a drink to do Coke. So it was it, like, I didn't want to have a drink with them. I didn't want to relax with them or sit down with them or have any type of conversation because that was my whole life at the time. That was everyone I was with. And yeah, yeah it was a, very much a, a wedge driven between everyone without me even knowing it because of the secrets and the lie lying and yeah. just trying to cover up what was going on. And then 
losing my license and having to make up excuses and lies about that and what was going on or or a fender bender that I got into and having to lie about stuff like that like those were real things that were affecting my everyday life and like that was the result of my drug use and my drinking at the time so yeah just constantly lying all the time and I can see that now like very very clearly that yeah been close to as close as we are right now but at the time I just thought whatever I'm a teenager like this is how teenagers are with their parents yeah exactly right and you know you see you see on movies and tv shows and in books and everything I'm like and even sometimes I catch myself still doing this of making the excuse of oh I'm a teenager you know I'm young you know I've got I've got my whole life ahead of me you know it doesn't matter what I do now because I'm so young yeah but like little do we know right in this like young adolescent brain that we that I still have right now you know we kind of just normalize it yeah have kind of comfort in in just making it normal you know and yeah that probably was super impactful for your parents they probably would have been super worried about you and stuff right but with with that mentality right it's it's hard to see that and I think it's interesting like also being in a small town not realizing like me thinking oh I'm hiding this so well and not many people know which not many people did know the full extent of it but people being able to look at me and the friends that I was hanging out with and and I had multiple times where I would be hanging out with someone and they would say like oh my mom didn't want me hanging out with you or somebody in my family or somebody in my life told me not to hang out with you and and just that effect that you would, would even have on like my parents and the business that they had like like people associate your children with you and and you yeah. know like it, it was just doing so much more affecting in my own life and in my parents' life than I than I even would have imagined. So yeah, small small town people talk right, and that's <laughs> parent parents love to talk about their kids, you yeah. know, and so talking about other people's kids, parents talk about that too, right? And so yeah, that definitely would have impacted your parents' business in some form of way, yeah. right? Be- just because you know you've got the same last name, they know. They know that, you know, you're their kid and everything. So, yeah, that probably would have been pretty impactful. Yeah. Okay, so our fourth question is, how have you been able to be so resilient when facing challenges with addiction? Yeah. Oh, boy. I think in the beginning, like, it was because I don't think I realized how bad it was until I tried to stop and I had had a couple times where I thought like oh I might I might try and go a week without doing any or just see and and like almost as a way to convince myself that I didn't have a problem so I would go like a week or or two weeks and not do it and be like oh okay I don't have a problem I can I can do it again yeah and that's also really uh really common with drinking as well because I would do the exact same thing and I think in the beginning I I just thought I, I I had been out one night with a group of people and there was somebody there that was t- talking to me about how I went to school with your mom and, and I know your mom really well. And this is crazy that me and you are hanging out because I know your mom so well and is going on. And when I left, I was like, when does this stop? When, when is that going to be me talking to someone that, you know, like when, when am I going to be that older person talking to some young kid like, oh, I'm still in the same situation with you doing drugs. And like, it just really hit me like, this doesn't just end. This isn't something that I'm just going to walk away from and feel like, okay, I'm good. I, I've done enough. <laughs> That's it for me. So 
that's not going to age out with you as you get yeah. older, right? Like it's an addiction is a lifelong thing. Yeah. And that's when I was like, okay, maybe I need to take a step back from this. And I think it was like that, it was that same week that the guy that I was seeing, I was like, I can't, like, if we're, me and him are seeing each other, there's no way I will ever get sober. Yeah. I think ending things with him and then realizing, like, I don't have a good relationship with my family and I need to be closer and more honest with, especially my sister, um, made me feel inspired to stop doing coke so much and then once I was sober and once I was doing it for them essentially for my family I realized I I can't be relying on my family to be the only reason that I'm sober and I can't be relying on my friends to be the only reason because what happens when all of them are dead and gone and I'm on my own I'll be the first one to start doing whatever I want to do again you know so just having that realization of I need to be doing this for me and not for other people was a huge thing for me. So yeah. And, and moving away was definitely a huge thing for me. And then going on to like starting therapy and really working through the trauma because it is an everyday thing. I, I have to wake up every day and actively think, okay, I'm, I'm not doing drugs today. I'm going to stay sober today. And knowing I'm doing that for myself and not for anybody else is an awesome feeling because that that's what makes you feel strong. That's what makes me feel like I, I am doing this for me and I, it doesn't matter what happens in my life. It doesn't matter what comes along the road. Like this is for me and for me alone. So that's been a big thing. Um, and, and therapy, I can't stress therapy enough. Like that has literally changed my life. And I can finally feel like the feelings that I was hiding from for so long that I didn't even know were affecting me so much. So yeah, I think, I think that's pretty much it. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. that's awesome that you were able to do that. And lots of people, it's easier, you know, to be like your love for your parents and your friends and, you know, your sister um, was probably stronger than the love that you had for yourself. Really? And, you know, that love that you would have had for them would have been so motivating. And, you know, as bad as it sounds, you're one of the few that have that support system, right? Yeah. To have those other people to love enough to try and get sober yourself, right? So that's the first huge step is, you know, to have a reason to get sober. And then probably another reason would be, you know, staying sober for yourself, you know, like realizing that you're better when you're sober. Yeah. And those are two things that you are so fortunate and so lucky to have because unfortunately for a lot of people, that's not you know, the case where they, they don't have someone to help them out like that. So it's, it's pretty awesome that you've got your crew. (laughs) You're pretty lucky. Yeah. I am very lucky. I'm yeah. I'm very lucky. (laughs) (laughs) And and I don't mean that to discredit yourself at all because you, because you put in that effort and that was your effort and your will, you know, to get sober. But yeah, it's, it's pretty great to have good people around you. Right. Yeah, it's so true. <laughs> Love those guys. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. All right. So our number five question was, what different kinds of supports are needed to help someone who's got an addiction? So we kind of touched on that a little bit earlier, but if there's any other um, information that you can think of or yeah. anything that we want to talk about, whatever works. 
Totally. I think when, when I was first thinking about this, I was very, I thought about it a long time because somebody that already has an addiction, like I, I, I felt very passionately about what to do before the addiction starts, what to do to prevent it about the, the more education and, and talking about, like, I didn't know that, um, like genetics play a factor in, yeah. in addiction and stuff like that. I didn't know any of that before. So I, I felt very strongly about that. But then when it came to people who already have an addiction, I felt like I didn't know much because I just, I, I just stopped and I, I just figured it out as it was happening for me and essentially ran away from where I was because I had that opportunity and I had the support. And so the first thing I wrote down about somebody who has an addiction already needs love and needs boundaries put in by those people that do, uh, that do love them. And then the more that I thought about it, it essentially what you had said, Brooklyn, about um, not everybody has that love. Not everybody, like in my situation, that's what I needed. I needed love and I needed people to put boundaries around me and, and distance themselves from me for me to feel like, what am I doing? But for somebody that doesn't have those support systems, like I think just knowing about AA or NA and and being able to know that that's an option for them. I had no idea that that was a thing that happened in Ipoh. I had no clue in, in small towns. Like AA and NA are everywhere. They're literally everywhere. And even though I can't credit any of my stuff to, to those systems, I know a lot of people can. And a lot of people can't go without going to meetings and, and talking to other people. And, and that keeps them sober a lot of the time. So I think just knowing about those in your town or wherever you are can be super beneficial because a lot of people don't know that that's going on around them. And, and the people that are going are want to be secretive about it, which rightfully so, but just knowing that it's an option around you, I think is really important because I had no idea. For sure. Like learning about the supports that you have in your community and even in your household, like you probably didn't know that your parents could support you and love the way that they did um during the end of your journey right during the beginning of your yeah. sobriety that probably was like oh you know like you're, you're putting a lot of faith in them that they love you and yeah <laughs> yeah I was <laughs> yeah no totally yeah it's yeah. it's good though and yeah I I'm in Nepal right now and I didn't even know that there was a AA or, or even NA here yeah. so that's pretty awesome and I'm sure that now with COVID making everything digital, that there will probably be lots of, you know, um, Zooms or Google Meets or everything like that to even broaden the community of people who can um, survive with the with the addiction gene inside them. And yeah, I, I know for sure that schools are getting more talking about it with, you know, D.A.R.E. programs and adding some some drug and addiction awareness to i think the health curriculum right now manitoba um but i definitely think that if i were to ever end up in high school situation as a teacher i would first want to bring in more resources and more people to talk and um you know surviving addicts to be able to inform these kids you know hearing your story jamie can probably inspire thousands of other people that are you know deciding making that choice today of you know should I should I light up again should I you know do some more coke or 
maybe, you know, put it away, go see some family, get some help. Right. So I think, I think talking about it and sharing it and normalizing the recovery journey and adding more, more accessible things to people all over the world is super important. Totally. Yeah. I have some questions. Oh, perfect guys. I was going to (laughs) ask. So, um, my first question is kind of like what we were just, what you were just saying there. I, I have, um, like, I'm curious what you got, what your guys' opinion is on what we are taught about substance abuse in a school setting. Like, for example, um, do you feel we're all given, right, do you feel there is enough open and honest discussion about the topics? Do you feel we are all being given a fair opportunity to talk about substance abuse? I guess my experience of, like, learning about, like, drugs and substance abuse and stuff, it was very just basic. Like, we just did posters, like, each person got a topic. It was, like, nothing informative. And I feel like we totally need something better. Yeah. Like, just, I don't know, but... Yeah. So, yeah. I know that the... It's the same thing, I'm pretty sure, here in Nipo, Wilbur, uh, for our education. It's just, yeah, drawing posters, you know, making a PowerPoint or whatever. But it's not, it's more kind of like the drugs are. Yeah. And, you know, how they work in your brain, but not necessarily how they work in society and how they're going to affect you as a person when you start using you know, like you learn, you know, whatever chemicals are in meth, whatever chemicals are in coke. And, you know, you learn all like the facts about drugs, but there's also kind of some theory behind it in the sense of hearing, excuse me, like I said, hearing recovery addicts talk about it is so inspiring and it kind of touches you another level because the experience like firsthand of what drugs have done to them and in my opinion, that's more impactful than knowing, you know, oh, well, there's battery acid in this and, you know, you're not to inhale this because this is bad for you and blah, 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 blah. Like, I would rather hear, you know, like Jamie said, that it was really hard on her relationships. You know, she lost her license. Like, to me, I'm thinking, like, that's pretty serious compared to, you know, well, coke, party drug, like, whatever, right? It's learning from addicts and learning from people who have experienced drug and even people who think at drug counselors study drugs, I think are also, um, and that we sh- into the curriculum, not really just, the but bring into our students, you know, as, as they grow up and get older. Yeah. Do you have any other questions for us, Jamie? Um, I had one more. I wrote when people listen to this, what are you guys hoping that their biggest takeaways are when they go back? Like, just in their regular life. <laughs> Good question. <laughs> I, like, for me, this conversation has been very factual and just, it's great to listen to your story and to hear how it actually is. Right. Our posters and stuff. Yeah. So I would just say that I think people should just listen Take it all in and just kind of like apply it to their life and right. continuing the conversation to keep learning. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. I totally agree, Brooke, um, that listening is a huge part of it, but also reaching out and asking for people to talk about it, you know, and encouraging, like, you know, I reached out 
to Jamie to see if she would be able to have this conversation. By giving people these platforms to share their story, that's also just as important as being there to listen, right? Is providing these platforms and encouraging when you don't hear stories from other people, you know, positive feedback, you know, saying, wow, like that's super important. Like I'm going to apply that to my life. And the conversation just keeps growing and growing and growing. Right. Totally. Yeah, I totally agree. You've been listening to Leaning In and Speaking Out, a Research Connection podcast from Brandon University. For more episodes or to learn more about the BU Cares Research Centre, please visit our website at bucares.ca or you can come find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, or anywhere you get your podcasts.